Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome in on a Tuesday morning, March 28, 2023. Glad to have you with us. LNK Today with Jack and Friends. I'm Jack Mitchell along with Caleb Henry in the KLIN studios. Mark Fale in the KLIN newsroom. Chris Lofkin, Time Saver Traffic, will join us shortly this morning on a uh, busy morning on the show. Guests today will include Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, Jason Ball from the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. We'll also have John Baylor joining us today. So, busy list on guests. We will have much madness results for you throughout the show as we continue to go from 16 to 8 in the Lincoln Mattress and Furniture Company bracket. And uh, so we are set with all kinds of things to get to and a busy, busy news morning as well. A lot to lot to discuss here right away at the outset this morning. And, of course, hard not to start again, at least for me, and be thinking about uh, yet another story this time out of Tennessee with a school shooting uh, cost the lives of Three adults and three children, ages uh, eight to nine, and um, we'll have a little bit more on this on the sound off. The, they know a bit more about what happened. Not a lot, or they're still withholding uh, a lot in terms of of motive. They've identified uh, the person who who did the shooting and kind of some of the things that were found at this person's house, apparently maps and a manifesto, and uh, there were some text messages right before it, and but just, you know, not, not, not enough that makes you say, oh, that makes sense, or anything like that. None of these, none of these do, and uh, the, the debate will rage on again for a few days here uh, in terms of what should be done, uh, and, and everybody will have different ideas, and nothing will be done, and then We'll go on and and uh, continue to hope this is not something that ever directs any of uh, affects any of us uh, directly because I mean that's I, I mean <laughs> that's that's what it is right now it's it's uh, these are these are becoming a a regular occurrence and it's it's just simply it's something you very very much hope it's not something that affects your community or or people that you know. And that's, I mean, that's kind of what it is right now. It's just, it's reality about this in, entire thing. So um, that's, um, uh, th- those are my thoughts after this, this whole thing was over. And it continues to be as we go through this routine that we pretty much know very well at this point, how it goes, you know, the, the figuring out who it was, uh, the, the, the hope among people that it's someone that will match the the person who did it is someone who will match their narrative about the world. Um, and, and this was a very different situation too, uh, than some of the other ones, uh, because of, because you had someone who was additionally identified as female, um, but on social media, apparently had indicated that they, uh, prefer to be identified as, as a male, and so that's obviously a very different situation. Somebody who apparently previously went to that school um, in in younger years, but 
that's I mean that's that's what I've got to say on that essentially, and we'll 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 have more information to the degree that it matters at this point. And I know this, I mean it's perhaps sounds cynical about the whole thing, but I I mean I I am at this point. I don't, I'm not saying I've got this. I've got the solution, or do I know exactly what the solution is? But one thing I know even more than that is that there's not going to be any any particular change in anything. I think that that stops this. You, you hope school security systems work, essentially. Um, you hope that if it happens that first responders are able to get there quickly, which looks like it happened, at least in this case. Uh, unlike the last time we were talking about this, or one of the times we were talking about this in Uvalde, and it's a lot of it's a lot of hoping right now that goes along with this. So uh, that is, uh, we'll have a little bit more of the latest on that a little bit later today. Um, and and boy, does this you know th- this is going to I'm sure be relevant and brought up in some major discussions here in this state. In the coming days, whether it's about, I know they're going to talk on the floor of the legislature about constitutional carry. So obviously the, the, you know, whether or not this directly is related to constitutional carry, that, that'll be debated extensively. Uh, but just gun control issues in general are always related to this. There'll be more discussion about, um, coming about uh gender affirming care and all of that you, you don't need a rocket scientist to figure out how that's going to be uh related how this could factor into the discussion of that whole thing and so um yeah it'll it'll again be it'll again be something that is is probably going to intensify all of those discussions on these issues they were already at about a 15 out of 10 but they'll they'll continue to go up it just man between everything right now it it feels I hate to come on at the beginning of a show like this, but man, doesn't it feel like we are on a powder keg right now with just everything, really just everything that's going on in the country, in the world, all of this stuff, whether it's the issues that are related to this, the political issues that that come out of this, um, the the whatever potential is there of some kind of um, an indictment of a former president that some people love and some people can't stand um everything else that's going on in the world now and in france and in israel and obviously in ukraine and beyond it just feels like a we've been living in unstable times but man it feels like we're coming up on a new chapter of of very unstable times right now and i wish i could come on here like a lot of people can and give you all the solutions but I don't know that I can, and I don't know even if I would. It would it would help all that much. So it's a, I it is that's a it's a melancholy way to to start things. But that's how I kind of feel when I read the news, when I talk about the news every day lately. So anyway, that's what we've got going on uh, in in the big headlines today, and then boy, a busy a busy day too of local stories as well. Um, we had and, and Mark talked about this a little bit. Had uh, apparently a, a woman strike two men with her car in South Lincoln yesterday uh, during the day. This was uh, Highway Old Highway Two, I should say, right 
and about 48th Street, Mark, do I have that address? Yeah, between, about 46th and uh, Nebraska Parkway. That's where uh, the railroad tracks run right along Nebraska Parkway. And so this is on the south side of the track, so it's not right on Nebraska Parkway, but that's the general vicinity. So I'm trying to picture. So was well, this an apartment at an apartment, an apartment building? There's an apartment complex just south of the tracks there. Uh, if, if you go to 48th and uh, Briarcliff, I believe it is, um, the, there's a Sonic right there. Yeah. Okay. That's where they actually stopped the car, the okay. SUV. Uh, this apartment complex is just to the west and north of that. Okay. So it's it's it behind that um to the that sort of strip mall that has Deets in it and uh, uh where the the, the, the uh, penalty Ur- box pubs over there. The Earl May. Yes, yeah. it's to the west of that. Okay. So and and the apparently the the newest information on this for police is that they are starting sounds like they're starting to lean toward not necessarily thinking this was an accident uh, no, but no, th- it, this was something where these men were targeted at well, one yeah. thirty in the afternoon by the way yeah there was a, evidently a, a accident in the parking lot with a golf cart and this uh, SUV or this crossover vehicle. And the two men then were walking across a grassy area when they were struck uh, by the the vehicle. Um, it does look like it was targeted. Uh, she has is under um, a two uh, two accounts uh, of uh, murder. Okay, so, so that uh, is the latest from LPD. All right, uh, City Council votes yesterday unanimously to approve the annexation that we've been talking about in Southeast Lincoln. Uh, Uh, A slight delay on it, actually, to July 1st. That was an amendment offered by Richard McGinnis. That it wouldn't take place. Right. That they wouldn't actually do it until July 1st. Right. And that would be to allow the county and the Southeast Fire Protection District to get their taxes collected for the whole year 2023 because they're going to lose about $8,000 of their funding when this goes over. So the, the concern, one of the concerns that has been raised with this is that you lose that tax base for what is a a rural southeast rural fire uh, department um and that station which is nearby that area uh the the concern is that that wouldn't be able to exist and then for the areas that are covered by that entity you would have to come from basically from northeast lincoln as i understand it but they'll probably keep that they'll they'll probably keep that station because they've got other rural areas to the southeast uh, but they are losing funding. Uh, yeah, I thought. Well, I thought there was some concern that it might not be viable. Well, yeah, uh, if, that's if, if that's what this that delay is is allowing the county and the Southeast Fire District to uh, look at their operations, look at their budgets, and and have a little time to do some planning on that. So that's uh, by Nebraska Parkway and, and Iger Drive, Drive, right? Which is so over uh, kind of by the the Walmart Sam's Club. Well, it's actually uh, west of there. It's yeah, a where, west of where there. Pine Lake connects with Nebraska Parkway. Okay, there. and uh, it's just to the uh, north there of Nebraska Parkway. Okay, but so. well, you know, it'll give them give them some time to do some planning and a little operational uh, concerns. All right, uh, yeah. So we've got. Those are some of the things going on. What else did I miss, Mark? There's a lot. Um, like. Oh, let's see. What else? Those are the two uh, big things, yeah. I guess. Uh, People City Mission starting an employment agency, and UNL receiving a $2 million uh, funding grant from the National Science Foundation uh, to advance its work with robotics and drone technology for agriculture and climate change. Okay. All right. 
So big, big stuff there. News, so. Significant news there. Uh, and then probably the uh, top story in, in sports is that uh, there, there are a lot of questions in the Nebraska uh, basketball world about who's back, who's not next year, who might be coming in. And we got one piece of that uh, information as it pertains to the women's team uh, and one of the yeah. longtime stalwarts. Uh, Izzy Bourne made the announcement yesterday after the season ended that she's going to forego the last year she could have had eligibility. Mm -hmm. Yep, she'll head back to Australia. Four stellar years here in Lincoln. Scored over 1,100 points, over 600 rebounds. Uh, That doesn't happen every year for the Huskers. You know that that you have someone, I believe there's only 32, 33 Huskers all time that have scored over 1,000 points. Um, now that goes back to the 70s. So you've had a, a few Huskers come through in that time, and Izzy Bourne is one of them that's broken that a thousand that thousand point mark. This is a tough one to replace. Um, I know the the one that you look at is what's the decision going to be with Jazz Shelley, but what Izzy Bourne is able to do offensively, play both inside and out. Defensively, play both inside and out. Mm-hmm. She's just kind of that role that you saw. She can be anywhere on the court and fill any role that's really needed. And now you don't really have someone immediately, unless an incoming uh, 6'2 forward, Potts, out of uh, Missouri. How quickly can she develop? Can Ani Stewart get a little bit of an inside game, play defense? Kendall Coley has the defense, but maybe not the same offense. There's a lot of people that Does need... Does Maggie Mendelson stay with basketball? Well, and, and yeah, and Maggie Mendelson was never going to fill the Izzy Bourne role. She's more of the Alexis Markowski, yeah. um, kind of the, the big as opposed to the forward and going and putting putting it on guards. But yeah, you, you have to have people develop across all of these different places, three or four different players just for what Izzy Bourne was able to bring to the team. So still a lot of lot of questions still going forward, as you mentioned. The big one on that women's team, obviously, is Jess Shelley, what yep. she decides to do. And, and you know, the transfer portal is going like it always does in college sports once a season ends. And we'll see if there are any other uh, defections on either of those teams. And, and then on the men's side, kind of waiting to hear, number one, if Kese Tominaga is coming back or what's happening. I don't know how soon we have news on that. And mm-hmm. then, uh, of course, you know, what happens if, if more players are added? It's You already had one former Nebraska high school player enter the transfer portal yesterday. <laughs> yeah, Isaac, Isaac Trout. Trout. Grand Island. That looks like a going to Creighton situation. Most likely. Um, for, for a few reasons, that looks like that. But... Are there? Do we have? Do we have more of those coming in the in the next few days? Uh, there's there's been some swirling about one particular at Wisconsin. So well, and, and that we'll that's see. where you are right now with with the transfer portal. Players have had enough time with their seasons ending. Most of them, anyway, yeah. um, where their seasons have ended, they've had some talks with their coaches, maybe some exit interviews about where their future, where their futures lie, what any of that looks like. Nebraska and Creighton aren't aren't bad places to transfer to for different reasons. Yep. Um, we got 26 degrees right now uh, into the 50s today with sunshine before we have another kind of crappy cold day tomorrow. I think the sun's going to be out, both of them. But Thursday, Thursday, 73 Ooh. on Thursday. We've got 70s on the weekend, too. And so it'll set us up very well, Caleb, for our official Nice weather request line. Friday. I'm pumped for it. We're uh, getting. Uh, we're trying to usher it in with music and attitudes.
And uh, we will do that on Friday, so you can request songs now. The Rick Stein Recognition Text Line, 402-479-1400. All right, we'll take a break now. More from Sports and Caleb. And, yes, two more teams. Who will advance in the Northeast to the Eat 8? We're going to find out next. 625 on KLIN. Want today's top news stories? Top Husker stories? You can get them sent straight to your inbox every afternoon. Just sign up for the daily for free at KLIN.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. But first, still thinking about those results in Munch Badness that Caleb just told us about. Isles and Halea advancing to the Northeast Region Final. And we again have chalk. We got one versus two. In that one, we could have another one versus two in the southeast as those votes are being tabulated right now, being taken and tabulated right now at KLIN.com. And that is your one, two, three, and four that are left down <laughs> in the yeah. in the southwest. So in order with Norms on 48th, of course, being the one down there in the bottom right corner of your Lincoln Mattress and Furniture Company bracket. And the the chance exists for I th- what would I'm almost sure would be a first in all the years of much badness to have only the one seeds remaining after all the regions finish up their competition. Well, it yeah, because possible. You, yeah, because you had in 2021, Muchachos wins it all as a six seed. And you have last year, Norms come in as a 16. Right. Yeah. And now you have the potential that. Outside of, well, this is what it's going to be. Other than Red Rooster, everyone else is a top four seed. Yes. Yeah. That, so Red Rooster could have say something about it against Laszlo's. Uh, on the on the southwest side, Tina's could have something to say about it against Much Madness. Uh, hell yeah, we'll be against the two, Muchachos. Uh, muchachos. Much Madness is not a restaurant. Thanks for the fact check. <laughs> that would actually be a fun restaurant to open up, though. And that actually is true. <laughs> just a rotating variety of all the uh, just a, a guest a guest restaurant in there yeah. every day. It sounds very impractical, <laughs> but it sounds very good. And and hell yeah, the two seed uh now like we just told you uh we'll go try and stop aisles from being the third possible one seed to get in there and then whatever happens with one two three and four with the voting today norms ramos busters venue penelope's little cafe all right you uh yeah it's been now that berea boss is out and they had a great run it is outside of legendary red rooster it is the blue bloods in this tournament. It is the it is the restaurants that always seem to do well in this thing, mm-hmm. over and over again. And uh, and I, there's not going to be any real apple cart upsetting. I don't think no matter what happens with the with the voting that happens today in the in the southwest uh, or southeast, I should say, 
for this one. So, uh, Munch Madness continues. Very exciting. By this time next week, we will have our champion, right? One week from today. One week from today. We yeah, will we'll, we'll have announced our it. Our winner uh, during the show. One week from today, we will uh, be uh, doling out the, uh, the award from Nebraska Prep Equipment and the kitchen upgrade that somebody is going to get for that and wrap this whole thing up so it's been it's been a ton of fun thanks again as always to the university of nebraska federal credit union for making this possible with their sponsorship and make sure and vote as we come down to the wire as yesterday showed once again uh the it can uh it can be close there were there were some big shifts during the uh total yesterday get your votes in share it get your friends votes yep spread it around 100%. Hundred percent. All right, let us get into the uh, sound off today. Let's get the very latest out of Tennessee. We know a little bit more, not a lot, but a little bit more this morning about what happened and why it happened with yet another terrible school shooting. Just a half hour before, a former middle school basketball teammate of Audrey Hales received these very disturbing texts. In them, Hale reveals she no longer wants to live, adding that, quote, this is not a joke. Despite an attempt to reassure Hale, Hale replies, I just need to die. Nashville police say Hale, who identifies as a transgender man, likely planned the shooting ahead of time. When they searched Hale's home, they found maps of the school with details on different entry points. Authorities suspect the suspected gunman also scooped out scope that is out the school in person ahead of the attack. Investigators also revealing that Hale wrote a manifesto. Um, And last night I saw a video I kind of wish I hadn't seen because it was haunting, but um, video where uh, Hale basically went through and shot out. Essentially, there were side doors that were locked, but they were glass doors. Oh, okay. And so... Because all the initial reports was that it was an unlocked side door. Yeah, I assume they were locked because... He of uh, uh, shot basically just shot him out mm-hmm. and and stepped through and then was able to gain entrance that way. But there were cameras everywhere, oh, um, and it's uh, it's it's just hard. it was it was yeah images that just, just the the walking around. Obviously, they didn't show a lot more than that, but even that alone was completely chilling and and terrible to to imagine. Um. All right, other things that we've got going on today beyond that. And, of course, they'll they'll have another statement, I think, here probably with more information probably before the, the show is over. And uh, if they do that, we'll, we'll get that to you along uh, as well. Uh, other things that we've got going on, though. Let's start with... Uh, let's start with this. Last night uh, on Hannity's TV show, Trump sat down with Hannity um, and talked about a variety of things. A lot of things that he said uh, in, in rallies or put out there before, but uh, talked a little bit more about Ron DeSantis and their history. Um, and uh, his essentially is his argument on this has been for DeSantis was he, he basically created Ron DeSantis, who might be his opponent right now, at least his political career. He said, I need your endorsement. I said, Ron, you're so far behind. I can't imagine that if you got George Washington's endorsement, combined with the great, late, great Abraham Lincoln, if you had their endorsements, I don't think you could win, Ron, but 
tell me about it. Go ahead. He said, I'm telling you, I think I could win if I could get your endorsement. And then more. I got him the nomination. By the way, could have never gotten the nomination. He would be working in either a pizza parlor place or a law office right now. All right. So um, uh, the two the two choices, if you're not governor, pizza parlor, law office. So, uh, These are just wild backups. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, what's your fallback? Long. Well, it could be a pizza parlor. Well, man, I don't know about that. What about your next backup? Law office. And uh, you don't need me to tell you this, but no news uh, other than that they continued to uh, continue to talk to witnesses with the uh, with the grand jury. They talked to uh, David Pecker with the National Enquirer. Apparently, that was the latest round of testimony there. Uh, yeah, you do see that people who are reporting on it seem to be saying, you know, I don't know what they know, but they they do seem to indicate that something is imminent on this although it's it's not happening and and i guess we had some other some other reporting uh here when we talked about this what on friday where there were sources that were saying it's not going to happen at all uh trump had said he had found out they were going to drop the charges and so i don't know what's true with with any of that right now but i already already rsvp'd to the chaos we all um I guess we all wait, and it'll be, I'm sure, a giant crap storm when it actually happens. Uh, all right. What else do we have going on today? Oh, well, speaking of 2024, we we brought this up yesterday, and the the speculations and the testing the waters continue for Chris Christie. He's not leaving New Hampshire. He's still, he's still doing town halls in New Hampshire okay. and uh, apparently is going to be making a decision relatively soon on whether or not he's going to throw his hat in the ring. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie holding a town hall style meeting at St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire, saying the 2024 GOP primary will be volatile and he predicted it's not going to end nicely for former President Donald Trump. Christie also says he has what it takes to debate, citing a heated exchange he had in the 2016 presidential debate with Florida Senator Marco Rubio. Christie was a top advisor in the Trump administration. The two had a falling out over Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 election loss. Christie said he'll make a decision about a 2024 run in the next 60 days. Sue Guzman, Fox News. I don't know. Um, we talked about this a decent amount yesterday, so I won't harp back on it, but... I don't know how much of a chance he actually would have of emerging from that field. It it does feel like Trump and DeSantis are kind of sucking up on the air in the room right now for it. But, you know, a lot of times these primaries look very different months after they actually get started. So I'm keeping that in, in mind. But he's certainly going to, like we talked about yesterday, the, the rhetoric in the whole thing will certainly be kicked up a notch if he is involved. Yeah. Um as as we basically talked about yesterday, he's a little bit more in the the ilk of Trump than the other candidates are in terms of the way that they are willing to to criticize other and, and specifically, I guess Trump. Right. So you you talk about the the air kind of all being sucked up by the the two at the top. Um, that's a little bit the way this the the mayoral race feels right now, right? Yeah. Where it, it's a lot of Suzanne Geist and Lyrian Gaylor Baird, and then there's. Stan Parker just well, kind of there in the wings, but it helps when they both got ten times the money that he right, does right. to get the word out. Right, but they're like you—you you see the the Suzanne Geist ads or any of the others coming from different groups. They're attacking, they're focusing on those. Fo- focusing, on, they're focusing attack, on the mayor. 
Right. And, and it's focusing on, on Suzanne Geis. Not necessarily anything really going after Stan Parker. Yeah, I think that's the reality of, a t- you know, when you start talking about mayoral races where there are war chests of a million dollars and re- <laughs> well I mean, over, yeah, really big numbers there. That's um, that really kind of separates the. That's the for better or worse. That sort of separates the perception of mm-hmm. the likelihood of the candidates, right? Um, really having a shot with this thing, and um, you know, Parker, I think think to his. Credit said, hey, I'm not going to accept large donations. I don't want to be beholden mm-hmm. to anyone. I don't know if you can. I mean, I don't I don't know that you can do that. And we'll and find make out a big a run in the current climate. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what kind of support that that he's able to get. We'll tell you what. Got three more mailers yesterday, though. Oh, yeah. Boy, they are going hard with the mailers right now. Have not from che- different sides. Have not checked my mailbox in a week. Oh, yeah, that thing's probably filling up. You might yeah, want to check prob- that. It's you unfortunate. Might have some bills due <laughs> oh, that you need to right. get to. Oh, I do most of those online. Uh, and then we talked uh, last week, I believe it was, about Iowa uh, going forward with a bill that is similar to the one that Nebraska has been considering about gender-affirming care. Uh, another state now, uh, and there are already some states that have this into law, but another state is moving closer to actually putting it into law as well, this time Indiana. Indiana GOP lawmakers have sent a bill to Republican Governor Eric Holcomb. It would prohibit minors from seeking hormone therapies, puberty blockers, and surgery regardless if they identify as transgender. Supporters say it protects teens from making body-altering decisions while they're still underage. Opponents say many hormone therapies and other treatments are reversible, and they say this bill blocks access to medical care for trans youth. They also say it's anti-LGBTQ. It's unclear if the Indiana governor will sign the bill into law. Tom Graham, Fox News. I mean, there definitely is, there definitely have numbers increasing of, you know, traditionally thought of red states that are having the legislatures, people who are supporting this, having the success of of getting these passed and potentially getting the signature of the government. Will Nebraska be an exception to that, or will Nebraska fall in line with those as well? That's what is going to be determined here over the next few weeks of the legislative session. All right, other things that are going on here this morning. Well, we've talked a lot about the United States and their decision on continuing to use daylight saving time to continue to go back and forth or adopt one uh, straight away the full year. And while the United States has not come to any kind of a decision to change the existing system, although there is something tied up in Washington right now, some bills on that, other countries are making the move. And Greenland decided, you know what? We sprung ahead a few uh, weeks ago. And we're going to stick with that for good. Residents of Greenland spring forward for the last time as the sparsely populated nation in the Arctic decides to keep daylight saving time for good. Officials say it's going to give Greenlanders another hour of daylight in the afternoons, more time to do business with Europe and the rest of the world, and, quote, an opportunity to slow down in a fast-paced world. Earlier this month, a bipartisan group of U.S. senators reintroduced legislation to make daylight saving time permanent here in the U.S. after it unanimously passed the upper chamber last year but failed to get a vote in the house gianna jalosi fox news greenland but how dark is it going to be when the kids go to school that's what i was just gonna say is greenland not care about the kids going to school in the dark or Must what's not what exactly is going on there maybe they start school later i'm not sure what the situation is there 
in Greenland. This uh, this lawsuit, a star-studded lawsuit in Great Britain uh, with Prince Harry, Elton John, and some other British uh, celebrities is going after one of the major newspapers in that country and, and really worldwide as well. And they are making some pretty interesting accusations on the things that they believe this newspaper has done to get the to get the good stuff to get the to get the news on these celebrities and what's happening in their lives the duke of sussex is one of several celebrities suing associated newspapers which owns the daily mail in the uk and the globally popular mail online website they allege the company broke the law to get stories preposterous smears replies the publisher among the claims are that associated used private investigators to place listening devices in people's cars and homes that they paid corruption police officers for stories and that they impersonated individuals to get hold of private medical information. Wow. Singer Sir Elton John and actresses Sadie Frost and Elizabeth Hurley are among the other stars involved in this action. Jonathan Savage, Fox News. Whoa, Elizabeth Hurley, that's a name I haven't heard for a while. Back since the Austin Powers movies. The, uh, the original, in the original OG Austin Powers first episode Elizabeth Hurley was in, in that one. So, but yeah, crazy. They're talking about listening devices. They're talking about faking identities to get medical information. It is they, re- man, they really want that. They want their info about the celebs in the uh, in the gossip newspapers in Britain, don't they? They need to calm down a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it was good to see good to see Harry back in uh, in his home country a little bit. There, uh, good old Harry. Glad, glad to see him back there. I wonder if he. Hanging out, having dinner with the fam while he's back. Probably not. <laughs> Gonna guess no. <laughs> and uh, we we've uh, you know there was this TikTok thing where people were stealing Kias and Hyundai's with like a USB cord, like a phone charger. Oh my god! I remember us just talking about just different TikTok trends where they were doing dumb stuff all yeah. the time, like a year ago. Well, apparently the city of St. Louis, in particular is fed up of dealing with these car thefts from Kia and Hyundai. And you know who they're blaming? Kia and Hyundai. They're suing them. St. Louis has filed a lawsuit similar to several other large cities, including Cleveland, San Diego, and Seattle. The suit accuses Hyundai and Kia of failing to install industry-standard anti-theft technology, resulting in thousands of vehicles stolen. Turns out Kias and Hyundais don't have an immobilizer, and they've been targeted since a TikTok challenge displayed how to hotwire the cars with a USB cord and a screwdriver. The lawsuit seeks damages in excess of $75,000 plus punitive damages. Kia says the lawsuits are without merit. Hyundai says they're committed to ensuring the quality and integrity of its products. Tom Rigotti, Fox News. Now, uh, bad news with that, easy to be stolen. Potential... Uh, silver lining on that is that uh, I have all these mornings when I can't find my keys. I don't know what I did with them. Just bust out the phone charger and a screwdriver, and I'll uh, get myself to work anyway, even if I don't have my keys. <laughs> <laughs> about about once every two weeks, three weeks, I've got that panic where I'm like, "Where are they? Oh man, I don't, are they in a pocket? Did I set them down? I've got a." Got a bad habit of just setting them down when I walk in the door. I don't know why on yeah. the counter or somewhere, and uh, that I guess 
you know, if, if you had to have a car that you could hotwire, that would be one scenario where it wouldn't be the worst. And then, it's so wild for St. Louis to be like, who can we blame for these thefts among the crime happening in our city? <laughs> yeah. And then, last but not least, it's been a little while, guys. It's been a minute. You know, it was big in the aftermath of COVID since we had a lot of stories about unruly passengers on airplanes. Uh, but people on one flight had quite the experience before the thing even took off earlier this week. This time, the passengers succeeded. While the Delta Airlines jet was pushing away from the gate at LAX bound for Seattle, LA Airport Police report the passenger rushed to the front, asked the flight attendant, what do I do now? Go back to your seat, sir. But instead, he rushed the emergency exit, turned the latch, and slid down the emergency chute. A Delta passenger told Fox 11 the whole thing happened so fast no one had any time to react. But the crew, pilots stopped the jet, baggage handlers grabbed the guy when he tried to get away on a baggage cart. The man in a striped sweater taken to a hospital for mental evaluation. The FBI on the case and a passenger notes, just glad it didn't happen when we were in midair or would have been a different outcome. Therese Crowley, Fox News. Wow. Okay. Um, so jumps on a baggage cart and starts taking off. The baggage handlers are chasing him, and they they get him off. And, and yeah, so quite a scene there when you were about to take off, and I'm going to guess that added quite an additional delay from their flight oh, to LA geez. to Seattle. Yeah, you're just sitting on the plane, want to leave. Yep. All right, 657, that is it for your sound off this morning. 24 degrees in the capital city. We've got Joe Jordan coming up in about 15 minutes. Listen to LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. When you're Grin. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back on your Tuesday morning, March 28, 2023. Glad to have you back with them, with us. I should say 25 minutes from right now, we will count down the five things you're going to be talking about today. Your morning drive brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. A little bit later in the show, uh, Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber. We'll also talk to John Baylor. So very busy today. And now it's time to talk to Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, after what's been a busy week in Nebraska news and politics, especially as it's pertained to the Nebraska legislature. Uh, good morning, Joe. How are you doing today? Well, my voice is a little gravelly, Jack, but otherwise I'm okay. Okay, good. Uh, good, good. Good to have you with us. Let's get into what happened last week in the Nebraska legislature and kind of uh, talk about what comes next with that whole thing. Uh, obviously, uh, several several days of uh, pretty high-level emotional debate and discussion on the Let Them Grow bill uh, from Senator Kathleen Koth. Uh, it does advance past the filibuster, uh, although there were fewer people voting to advance it out of the first round than there were to keep discussing it, which, from what I understand, most people think that means that there is the potential of the bill being uh, amended and and changed so that it would cover uh, only only surgical options, but not uh, basically drugs. And that hasn't happened yet, though. And there seems to be some question about whether that can or will happen. It also seems possible that you've got to have that amendment to get the votes. I don't know. I mean, I that's that's just me kind of hearing what people are saying and, and a little bit of what we talked about here last week. I, I guess my my first question is, 
Why is it so unclear, if, if I'm right in saying that, but why is it so unclear about whether or not that amendment will actually become a part of the bill if there appears to be support from a majority uh, or a good number of senators who want to see it, or maybe there isn't? What, what exactly is going on with that amendment? Well, first of all, I think you've laid it out really well what's taken place here. Uh, now, to back it up a little bit, so... There are a couple of votes in the legislature, people who voted to end the filibuster and keep the bill moving forward. Uh, but as you said, in the end, they voted. They did not vote for the bill uh, because they have said that they would prefer this amendment, which, as you also said, would uh, allow only the ban would only be in surgical situations under 19. You couldn't have surgery without uh, well, you couldn't have surgery if you're under 19 for mm-hmm. for a, the sex operation. Basically, is what it comes down to. So there's a few people in the legislature who who want the amendment. That's the amendment that they want. Uh, they'll take drugs, in effect, off the table. Now, the, the main opponent of the bill in general has been uh, Senator uh, Michaela Kavanaugh from Omaha. She's made it very clear in her comments on the floor that she will fight to the finish here to keep that amendment from passing uh, because she knows if the amendment gets attached to the bill, then they may have enough votes right. to send the bill through completely. So she's going to do what she can to keep that amendment uh, off the bill. And then the people who support the amendment, they're in a box. Do they just, do they, do they submit to uh, the, the bills that now exist, which includes, uh, you know, drugs and surgery, or do they back off and say, no, without the amendment, uh, I can't live with this, and then the bill wouldn't pass. So that's that's the bottom line. And uh, and uh, Senator uh, Kavanaugh has made it very clear that she's not going to let that amendment be attached. Uh, she'll you know filibuster as best she can to continue that that move. Whether or not that can be successful is it's it's always hard to say. But she's been uh, if if passed as precedent here, she's been pretty successful the last few weeks in bottling things up and keeping the legislature uh, unable to do some of the things but, that the, the majority want to do. Isn't it a, just a question of, of time, you know, taking up the, the time and sort of patient? If the votes are there, I, I mean, that that's still always the ultimate question. Are the votes, right, are the votes there for that amendment, even if it's going to take a long period of time to happen? Or is there something else that factors in in terms of whether or not this is possible? <clears throat> No, I think I think you're right. I think time is the is the key factor, uh, and and how long they can prolong this without before. I think we talked about this before. Before somebody finally says, "Okay, enough is enough. Uh, you know, I can't deal with this. We'll just let the bill die." Mm-hmm. And then, and and but again, I don't see that happening either. So it's it's running into yeah. a it's 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 running into a situation where where time is going to be the critical factor here. And at some point, somebody's going to either say, you know, okay, we can we can put up with these delays, or we can't, and then the bill will either, you know, fall fall by the wayside or not. And it, and it seemed like some of the impetus for Kavanaugh's position, at least, was that that there were amendments offered during the committee process, and um, and she felt like they weren't heard properly at the committee at the committee level, and therefore shouldn't be happening now. Is that is that something that happens? Is there is that different than what normally happens with bills when they're still in the committee process? 
Well, there are there are bill, bills on a variety of issues that the uh, the committee will hear a variety of uh, amendments. And oftentimes, the committee before it sends a bill to the floor, they'll they'll have an amendment to that piece of legislation before it ever before it ever leaves the committee, so to speak, right. and gets to the floor for a full vote. Uh, but then then there's times when when com- the committee will just take the bill as it is, despite uh, arguments from one side or the other that. that we should, it should be amended for X, Y, and Z. Uh, and as you said, uh, I think, and I think accurately, that Senator Kavanaugh was worried that and bothered that some discussions that occurred in committee uh, never were heard or, or weren't finalized, and the bill came to the floor as it is. And there's things that she wants. She may have wanted changed earlier that that, that she looks back now and says, "Well, you know, the committee committee didn't didn't listen then, and so we're not going to listen now." Yeah. Um, and, and then if, and, and Kavanaugh and some others have, have indicated, uh, if this, and I don't know if this starts now or if they're waiting to see what happens if this bill does in fact still get to the finish line in an amended form. Um, but it sounds like the, the, the strategy going forward, even outside of this topic is going to be doing kind of the, for lack of a better term, kind of the obstructionist thing when it comes to everything and running the clock on the rest of the session and making it difficult for for any other things to get passed. We saw that for a while. It was a short period of time. Then it stopped. Um, if if that if that actually happens, like just how much how much do you think, Joe? You know, I mean, I still have to do a budget. I know there's obviously bills that people in the legislature would like to get to, but they they might not like just how just how limited would that make this legislature if this happened or this was an issue for the rest of the session and what could uh, kind of be the the results of that well this sounds like a a bailout answer but the the reality is that we 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 don't know and we're not going to know and depending on how all these things play out uh for instance at nine o'clock this morning Senator Erdman, Steve Erdman from Western Nebraska, uh, is proposing a rule change. Uh, this is going to get down the weeds just for a second. But on last Thursday, when they were debating the transgender legislation, uh, a, a good nine or ten uh, opponents of the bill got up and they they made a motion to bracket the bill, which basically means kill the bill. Uh, and they they when when you make that motion, it's, a, it's considered a priority motion, and the, in effect debate sort of stops and that motion is considered well as i said a good nearly a dozen opponents got up and did a bracket uh, motion what they did was when a bracket motion to kill the bill they're allowed 10 minutes to talk so they talked for 10 minutes and at the end of their at the end of their comments they said i make a motion to withdraw my motion mm-hmm. then somebody else got up and did it for 10 minutes right and then withdrew and this went on. This went on for the bulk of the time. So Erdman, uh, obviously bothered by that, he's made a he's making a push this morning to get rid of to change that rule so you couldn't make multiple bracket motions on a bill uh, at, in the same at the same time frame that the debate is being discussed. So that's going to take up a little time this morning when they meet at nine o'clock. Uh, I don't know how the vote's going to come out uh, to change that rule. If it does, does that mean that the filibuster is going to go away? No, uh, it takes away one one rule uh, 
maneuver that's available to right. uh, Kathleen. Uh, I'm sorry to uh, Michaela Cavanaugh and others, but it doesn't end other other things that they can put into the to the hopper. So, what it does indicate outside the bigger picture is that the, that the uh, tension among the lawmakers is becoming more and more frayed as this thing goes on, and uh, that's never. Uh, it's never a sign that the session is going to go smoothly from here on out. It wasn't going smoothly to begin with. It's probably far far less smooth now as we go forward. Yeah, this will be, man, I mean, this is uh, kind of a real crux when they talk about this rule change, uh, about about what, what's going forward, and to change the rules of the game in the in the middle of the session, which they're, they're able to do under the rules right now, which I think everybody's doing all of these things that they're technically able to do, but uh, their opponents don't want them to do in this case. Uh, I would guess that if if that actually went down, um, Joe, that would inject a whole new level of of vitriol into this into this session. If that well, we're actually all told from, from the time we were kids, you have to play by the rules. Right. And then somebody said, well, you can't change the rules in the middle of the game. Well, you can. Yeah. <laughs> in the Nebraska legislature, you can, and they're about to try it this morning. Yeah, I guess so. And then I think that is also on the on the situation of yet another very contentious and and feels like debate that's been going for over a period of years in the Nebraska legislature is the the constitutional carry bill. I believe is up for for debate today. I think that's on the second round of debate. We talked about this when it had been up the first time and some of the, the things that the police unions had been saying on this and who was where on this whole thing. But uh, the fact that that's on second round reading right now, and, and I don't know exactly how the filibuster process impacts this thing, if it just makes that one go out further. But the fact is the fact that this one did get to second round since last time that we talked about it look like this might finally be the year that this one gets over the finish line, which Senator Brewer has been bringing up for several years in a row now. They've been tweaking to kind of get a little support from law enforcement. Well, it's certainly uh, it's certainly in better shape than it was in years gone by. It does appear to have the votes, uh, and I use the word appear because these things, as it has in the past, uh, and, and Senator Brewer has acknowledged this himself. He's got it, you know, passed the first round of debate before, uh, and then ran into some problems. So the opponents are probably trying to figure out what those, what new problems they can cause him. Uh, and, and 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 you know, I'm sure he knows until you until it's until it's passed the third round of debate and heading for the governor's office, uh, he he doesn't have anything in, uh, that he can say is, is a done deal. Um, in addition, that you said. The, the, the bill, it is the next bill up after the rules debate. Now, I don't know how long this rules fight is going to take, if it's going to take all morning or not, but then once the uh, once they get to constitutional carry, uh, on the second round of debate, the filibuster basically lasts four hours. The first round is eight hours. Oh, the okay. Second round, the second round is four hours, and then the third round is two hours. Uh, so there'll be a... It'll, it, it, even if they hear it today, even if they start on it today, Assuming there's going to be a filibuster, which I think we all assume, mm-hmm. they won't. It, it'll be sometime tomorrow before those four hours would would expire. So, um, but in the meantime, you're going to have this rules debate. Uh, I presume discussions on how those opponents of the uh, of constitutional carry uh, what 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 new arguments they can make. Uh, and so, as I said, none of this is a done deal right now. And I think everybody in Lincoln, I think every of those four, every one of those forty nine knows that. 
And then for the listeners, one one little preview on something you'll probably be hearing some news about at the end of the day. Uh, Nebraska Secretary of State Bob Evans is going to testify before U.S. Senate commish, uh, committee. Actually, uh, Deb Fisher is the ranking member of this committee. It's U.S. Senate Rules and Administration Committee about Nebraska elections. Will be interesting. I mean, he's kind of been... Um, he's he's been sort of being critiqued from people on the right uh in in talking about nebraska's elections and how they fit into sort of the narrative about the electoral process in the united states will be it'll be really interesting to see what he says in front of the senate specifically about nebraska's election and how uh how confident he is in that they have been free fair all of those things and that they will be free fair and all of those things going well forward. and as i understand it one one of the specific things he's going to discuss will be the quote-unquote audit that his yeah. office did following the uh, 2022 election, which basically came back and said it was the election here was, was fair, yeah. uh, there were no problems, uh, and uh, as you said, there are some of his critics on the right, uh, there were, you know, two of his opponents in the, in, the, in the 2022 GOP primary for Secretary of State were quote-unquote election deniers from mm-hmm. 2020, and um, they complained a lot about the 2022 race, said it wasn't fair in their view, but Evans Audit came back and said that elections in Nebraska are on the up and up, and we don't have any real problems here. Uh, so it will be interesting, as you said, to see what he says uh, when he hits the Senate uh, when he hits the Senate today. Two o'clock Central he is uh, is when that committee starts, and uh, yeah, will be fascinating to see not only what he says but what the reaction is of. Uh, of the senators who are on that committee as well. Hey, uh, great conversation today, Joe. Always appreciate it. We will check in next week and see where we are then. Thanks so much for your time. Take care, Jack. Be good. Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska. 726, take a break. Sports is next on KLIN. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com to get today's top local and Husker news sent straight to your email. All right, without any further ado, let's get them counted down, starting with... Number five. Two men were killed after they were struck by a car at the Lodge Apartments. That's uh, near 46th and Nebraska Parkway. It happened around 1.30 yesterday afternoon. Assistant Lincoln Police Chief Jason Stille told uh, KLIN News a black car left the area after the incident stopped near 48th and Briar Park. A 27-year-old woman arrested. It appears what precipitated the two males being struck, possibly an accident involving that black sedan and a golf cart. And then the female appeared to drive over the two males that were in a grassy area just off the parking lot. So we, we expect to hear more the next day oh or two. She's been goodness. charged with two, uh, two murders in this case. So there, uh, just just to make clear what the police are saying is that there, there apparently was an accident between her car and a golf cart that they were in. That, uh, that we don't know okay. for sure. But she, basically, the police said it appears what precipitated was two males being struck was possibly an accident involving that black sedan and a golf cart. Right. But we don't know much more than that. Who is in the golf cart, what right. what that situation is. But police then do believe it was not, the the collision with the men was not a a part of the accident. That was something that happened intentionally after the fact. Yes. Uh, and My she was goodness. a resident. She reportedly is a resident of the apartment complex. The two men 
employees of the apartment complex. So, And it did happen off the parking lot where they were struck. They were in a grassy area. The uh, collision with the golf cart was, I believe, in the parking lot. What in the heck is going on here? I mean... Road rage going on. I mean, is, that, is this really road rage or is there... Well, yeah. Because that is just way over the top, obviously. It is. And then to leave this, leave the scene, um, she was stopped. So they uh, just got her a little bit way, a little further. Uh, yeah, a couple of blocks. And Somebody probably saw it and called 911, I assume. Well, I'm, well yeah, from what uh, Chief, uh, Chief Teresa Ewens uh, on our news conference yesterday said that they had several witnesses and they believe they have video uh, surveillance of, of oh the entire thing. Oh, my goodness. That's uh, you know that's going to help in the investigation and and of course if there's any prosecution or or any. Uh, this uh, is the middle of afternoon. One thirty. Right there. About one thirty. I mean, uh, an area not far from that's really busy area. Um, you you know we're talking about what just west of the that area where there's the Sonic and the the strip mall that has Earl May and Dietz and yes. and those in that right. You're, right. It's and not she, quite. It's not directly on. Old Highway Two. It's no. It's, it's south. It's, it's south of Highway south Two. But, well, Nebraska Parkway. Yeah. And south of the railroad tracks, right there, that apartment complex. You can see it from Highway Two. I happened to drive by when it happened. Was able to see, uh, you know, one of the bodies covered up out in the grassy area. Oh my goodness. Chris Lofgren was on the scene with Tom Stanton and uh, confirmed. So. That Is that a grassy area that's just like right off the parking lot? Is yeah, that it was, what it is? It's kind of, as I recall, it's kind of behind what I guess is the clubhouse or the, the main office, okay. which faces uh, Nebraska Parkway. My goodness. Uh, and, and she was found at 48th and, and um, Briar Park, I think it is, um, which is basically the corner of 48th and the, the street between that shopping center and the Sonic. Across from Stauffer's Restaurant, yeah. if you will, right there is okay. where... So that's not very far and, from And there. Chris, I, I believe Chris or Tom got a picture of the of the car stop there. Okay. All right. Uh, let's, let's continue to go on here. Number four. City Council approved the annexation of uh, 445 acres um, in southeast Lincoln. That opposed. Uh, I, let me put it this way: Se- there's 77 individual acreages okay. in the 445-acre complex. Uh, compl- That's a lot there. That's. I didn't realize there were that many of them out there. Wow. Yeah, yeah and they're and they're uh, acre and multiple acre lots primarily. Uh, Margaret Reist. Makes it away in Margaret Reistville. Uh, Journal Star has got a, a very detailed um, summary of the. Uh, city council meeting there was uh, an amendment offered by councilman mcginnis to delay the annexation to july 1st which gives southeast fire district and the county time to collect all of 2023 taxes and also to make operational other budget changes because southeast fire district going to lose about eight thousand dollars in revenue for their services how that will affect them they need to uh, give it a little time that passed unanimously and then the annexation vote was also unanimous seven to nothing uh, Council uh, Chair Tammy Ward uh, uh, read uh, most of a text from a friend of hers that lives in the area and is affected by it. And they were concerned about such things as open burning. They, they get a burn permit. They were able to burn their yard waste here, uh, I guess, last weekend. And they had a big pile of it because they've got enough acreage. So those are some of the things yeah. that uh, they're going to lose. So They're city folk now or will be on July 1st, I guess. 
And and they were asking for uh, some accommodations on that. You know, if you've got three acres or more, maybe you should be allowed to have a burn pile anywhere in the city. I, you know, those are the types of That's things. That's a good that, question. And, and, and I mean, it's kind of what happened a little bit with the, the swimming pool issue that we talked about right. was they... They they're looking at least I don't know if they've it's actually it happened was, but they're looking at changing what was, the city rule is. The, that reading was in the public hearing before the uh, okay and and I think that was second reading so that uh, that'll be we, later. We'll remove like pool alarms if there's a cover if there's a certain kind of apparently the or covers offense, are now much yeah. better. So or uh, offense. The, so. the I mean maybe the one of the most impactful questions is you talked about that uh, that southeast fire department that serves rural areas. And the tax revenues that go along with that. I know in the 1011 story about it, they had quoted the assistant chief, Jeremy Quist, said, um, had, had said a while back that if the annexation happens, the tax revenues that are going to change would potentially be so impactful that they may not be able to keep the station open. Right. That and, actually and I think that was one of the reasons that Councilman McGinnis offered this uh, delay. To allow them to uh, at least collect some additional tax revenue and see whether Lancaster County or other revenue for, uh, sources can be uh, worked into the budget, right? So. Because the what the what the story said was that they would then the southeast fire department, the rural fire department, they would be coming to that area of town from 84th and Holdridge, right? If they close that out, now you can imagine what that adds on to response time. Oh, it's huge. I mean. Going even sirens and lights and blaring down there. That's a trip down 84th to get to areas right, in the southeast part outside of the and southeast part of the city. Those rural areas would be further south now, uh, south of Yankee As Hill. The city expands. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So, uh, so a few more months until those areas are going to be part of the city of Lincoln. Number three. Legislature reconvenes nine this morning. It's 51st day of the first session of the 108th uh, unicameral. Got a motion to suspend some rules that uh, you know, part of the parliamentary procedure, see whether they can get things moving a little bit. Uh, then a couple of general filed bills. And then uh, Senator Tom Brewer's LB 77 scheduled for debate. Uh, that's the constitutional carry. Uh, we'll have to see what happens on this. Uh, amendment to uh, or this proposal of the motion to, to suspend change the rules yeah. yeah i mean you know that could be subject to a filibuster that i mean that's going to have a big whether or not that those rules are are changed or not will have a very big impact on likely impact on what the outcome or the output i should say of this legislative session is going forward and and just how much of for for lack of a better term obstructionism is able to happen by people who, uh, by, by some of the senators, particularly Senator Kavanaugh, uh, who is who has kind of said, look, with what's happened on the Let Them Grow bill, we are going to show that we're not going to let anything else get, do- get this done. The session is essentially over, is uh, what she and some of her uh, her supporters or, or the people who are on the same side of that issue as she is. And will that actually be the case? I don't know. Um, but if they're able to change the rules here at this point, that'll be a lot less likely. And man, talk about talk about a day, Mark, again, of what is going to be intense testimony. The changing the rules, and then they're going to have the, the second round of debate on constitutional carry, that's going on. I know 
that there are people in support of the Constitution, constitutional carry bill that are going to really try and f- fill the chambers with people who are in support of it with this whole thing. And and then, of course, coming off the, the news of yesterday uh, in Tennessee, you know that's going to factor into the discussion. Um, and it's it's just uh, this is something. This session is really something, and that that you always have these emotional. You you always have these hot button topics that are out there. But the combination of the procedural issues and seemingly the coming to a head of some of the biggest hot button issues altogether here with a chunk of weeks have really put it at about a like a fifteen out of ten. In yeah. terms of intensity on the legislature, they're uh, over halfway, and they're not with a single bill passed, right? Or has it have any bills yeah. gotten gotten to the governor's desk? Um, not that I'm aware I, of. I, I, I do know. I don't. I, I think so, but but they've only gotten to like the interesting thing is they've only got even gotten at all to like a fraction of the priority bills. That well, have been even on even at all in terms of the right, debate. and that's what I'm saying. No matter how many they've gotten to, yeah. they haven't. Yep been passing well no they've been on first reading and then second yeah. reading uh and actually uh the hearings are are over yeah. All, uh, so now they go to full day debate uh full day session so okay things should pick up if they are if they can get anything done so this is kind of the the point in the in the session where this is where things get debated and then second round and third round and then head to the governor okay or not or yeah or not yeah uh, and uh, by the way, and Senator Erdman, who was the one who's suggesting the rule change, he said it was very disrespectful to the senators in the queue where they're basically doing this thing where they're making up um, a bracket motion, talk for the 10 minutes, withdraw it, make another one, talk for the 10 minutes, withdraw it, and and go over and over again. So it would, so it would limit senators to one motion to postpone debate over bills to do any of these motions that they're using this to do essentially one motion per day for each of the three rounds of debate and that was actually something that was talked about at the beginning of the legislative session when they were discussing all the rules and the secret ballot and all of that stuff uh, but that didn't end up getting put in the rules package that went to the to the uh, floor of the legislature at the It'll beginning be interesting to see how how this goes yeah yeah, it's a it's a big turning point here. Number two, National Meteorologist Storm Chaser Reed Timmer, along with other um, experts, expressing concern about the trajectory of the spring severe weather season. He posted a message said he was concerned about the overall pattern for tornado outbreaks early spring. Uh, Long range models, he says, show a pattern we see every ten years or so, with massive high amplitude storm system after storm system. So he's saying, you know, some maybe time to mentally and physically prepare for the coming well, weeks. We saw the, we've seen the the damage, of course, that they're dealing with in the southern United States right now. And I, this isn't the first time I've heard somebody who knows a lot more than I do about this subject say something like this, that this is just setting up this year. Some of the maps that he shared and some of the other people in the comments of what he shared showed really a... a I mean, the most, and I don't know if this is for this entire thing or the next few days exactly, but sort of the the dead-eye center of this whole thing is right on a line from southern Kansas through Missouri up to central Iowa. And so as it stands now with that, 
It does look a little bit of the southeast here, but Lincoln is within the you know the second level of the the reddest color on this on this map. Essentially, yeah, meteorologists that uh, was in the Fox affiliate in or no at the uh, NBC affiliate in Kansas City, Gary Lezak. He just uh, retired here uh, earlier this year, yeah. I believe. He has a has had a thing called a, the LRC, the Lezak recurring cycle. He, it's a different way to forecast it. He said uh, the this this type of system gets set up in the fall, and he's been pretty accurate with it. So I need to go back Man. and look at that and see exactly what he's projecting. Good time to mention too. They'll be testing what tomorrow? Tomorrow at ten. Tomorrow at ten is this is be testing the severe weather sirens. Severe weather. Yeah, this is. It'll be out, I believe, as a tornado warning, but then it'll be uh, noted that this is a statewide test. It's part of the National Weather Service's Severe Weather Awareness Week. Also worth noting that here on KLIN, uh, we haven't had to do a lot of it in the spring, honestly. Severe weather coverage. It's kind of been weird other times of year, but uh, it's our plan. If that weather pops up at any time, we're going to uh, do our best to go on the air get into get into programming that's going on and do what's needed in that situation to get people the information that they need whatever that looks like throughout the city my weather. plan is to let the dome just keep doming that'd be good that'd be good i don't know hopefully these uh, they're, they're, we'll have uh, dr dewey on our show again ho- hopefully next week again and maybe get a little bit more on that whole situation Number one. Well, we're just a couple of weeks away from tax day. 73% of Americans thinking the government does not spend their tax dollars wisely. Uh, Wallet Hub releasing the 2023 tax burden by state. If Ooh. I looked correctly, I think Nebraska's got that unlucky number of being number 13. Oh, okay. So that's 13 as in IS the tax. worst? Yeah. Really? Highest tax burdens overall. New York is the worst. Nebraska is, or excuse me, Alaska, I should say, is in number 50 in supposedly the best place there. 756, we'll take a break. It is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Welcome in. 811 on a Tuesday morning of March 28th, 2023. Oh, no. I just made a mistake there and so uh we lo- i disconnected someone i believe yeah and we'll, we'll so get her back we are going to get kathy anderson back she is uh she's going to join us along with jason ball today uh kathy is the uh director of innovation and entrepreneurship lincoln chamber of commerce and jason ball looks like we do have her back here but we'll say hi to jason first who joins us good morning jason how you doing today sorry we got to get him up there uh hello jason how you doing today Hey, Jack, you got me now. Good morning. I'm great. Good. Uh, glad to uh, glad to have you uh, with us. And, and why don't you, I gave her a brief introduction there. Uh, why don't you uh, tell us who you have joining you today? Uh, well, I am so excited to uh, introduce everyone to Kathy Anderson. She's our Director for Entrepreneurship and Innovation with the Lincoln Partnership for Economic Development. Uh, Kathy's doing amazing work, and, and we just wanted to share that with people about Launch L&K today. Welcome, uh, Kathy, to the show. Thanks for joining us. Sorry I hung up on you. Oh, that's okay. Thanks so much, Jack. (laughs) 
That's good. Um, Jason, I'll, I guess I'll start real quick with you just kind of for an overview, and then we'll, we'll uh, send it to, uh, to Kathy to give us some, some more details. But generally, I know uh, Launch LNK has, has been something that you've got um, that's, that's helping startups essentially kind of do some growth here in Lincoln. Tell us just a little bit about exactly what this is, Jason, and then, and then we'll talk to Kathy about it too. Yeah, you bet. So, look, the, the big uh, focus for Launch LNK is we want businesses to be able to start and grow here in Lincoln as opposed to anywhere else that they, they could choose to do that. And, and a big part of the focus tends to be scalable businesses, right? The ones that will, will really create a lot of jobs in the community, create a lot of economic opportunity in the community. This is a program that the partnership has had in place now for five years. Um, in five years, we've had about, uh, we've had about 25 companies go through the program. Um, and those companies have raised about a total of $80 million in equity investment, which means wow. those are jobs and activity being created here in Lincoln. We really feel like it's a success, and we're just excited to share about this year's class because we think they're going to be uh, small stars in the program. Yeah, Kathy, why don't you kind of talk us through the, the process that these companies that are interested in this goes through and, and eventually getting down to, to these companies who are, are going to be getting these grants? Yes, we had a really competitive pool, nearly 70 applicants. We love that. Um, the submissions came in, uh, all kinds of entrepreneurial ventures. We have a multi-step process where we really encourage people to submit their idea, and then we say, we will work with them. We will help them develop this and, and present the materials to compete for the grant. And you know, uh, we are smart. Uh, we are layering our resources in this community. We are networking with other partners to make sure that we are helping these startup companies in the best way. And uh, we're really appreciative of uh, the individuals on our uh, selection committee. They were from across the Nebraska Angels Syndicate, a successfully exited company, Quantified Ag, uh, Invest Nebraska, Nelnet Ventures, Husker Venture Fund. Um, it was really a great team helping us complete this process. It, it's pretty cool that we've got, you know, uh, 70 or ish of, um, you know, startups or ideas here that are, are even available to be having this conversation in a very competitive process. Talk a little bit about, I guess, Kathy, just the range of different types of companies and ideas and the people who are vying for, for these grants. Definitely. Wow. You know, you see sectors that we're familiar with. Ag tech, um, we see getting into other sectors from insurance tech and advanced manufacturing and um, getting into carbon tech and uh, really spans the gamut. And we look, like Jason said, for those scalable, high growth companies. And that could be uh, many forms. It could be a product company. It could be a software company. We look for those who are really excited to build here in Lincoln and where the resources could do a lot of help. Um, okay, well, let's. Uh, I, I don't know that we we talked a lot about yet about the companies that ended up uh, being being selected in the Launch LNK program for 2023. But uh, tell us about the ones that kind of stood out by those metrics that you were talking about. Yes, and I'm so excited to talk to you about these companies, and we're excited uh, to see them grow this year and beyond. We have Bovi which, yes, uh, hinting at bovine, <laughs> it's remote sensing technology for agricultural lenders, thinking about those cattle um, out 
on the ranch. We have curbside or curbside HQ, which is uh, medical data and file sharing capabilities. They're starting in the uh, dental space and going from there. We also have NAVE Analytics, and that's uh, digital tools for farmers on water use. It's amazing uh, what they can do. They can uh, show the how the water looks in the field, really advanced stuff. Uh, our fourth company is Informedic. It's a platform, and they have their own proprietary machine learning model, and it accelerates the life insurance underwriting process. Um, you know, it's incredibly high accuracy, wow. a lot faster process. It's a great place to uh, uh, standardize and automate. And then the last company is Cattle Kettle, and that's a livestock management company. Really excited for the season this year and seeing them get devices out in the field. Kathy, I, I've got to imagine just uh, in your position, sort of just hearing the stories of how these concepts came about and who the people are behind them and why they decided or why they decided to do what they're doing, how they came to the point where they're doing what they're doing. I'm sure there's stories all over the place, but I I mean, it's, I hear just these five and I'm like, wow, how in the heck did, did some of these things come about? Uh, You're right. And you know, our business is to connect, support and inspire entrepreneurial leaders like this and entrepreneurs come in many forms. We want people to realize that. We want people, you know, whether you're 22 or 62 or 82, uh, to realize that you have things to give to entrepreneurial ventures. Yes, the companies represented here. I mean, you have folks uh, fresh out of college or in college. You have um, all-star teams of experts coming together. Mm -hmm. You have founders where this is not their first rodeo and they're coming back to found another company. And you have folks who, um, you know, have uh, entrepreneurial backgrounds in their family, for example. So yeah. It really spans the gamut. It's, it's got to be cool to be talking so often to people who are excited about an idea, right? <laughs> it's just, yeah. we're, we're not always, that's not always the type of people a lot of us are around with necessarily, you, you know, during your day. Excited about a new idea has got to have a real vibe to it, I guess is what I'd say. Yeah, it's contagious. Yeah. Uh, Jason, uh, talking uh, just about uh, sort of the the idea of promoting entrepreneurship, promoting innovation from a larger scale, why is, uh, I mean, uh, you know, obviously you've got great ideas that that come out of these things. You've got products that are helpful to industries, not only locally, but really around the nation. Why, Why do you kind of think it's so important to be encouraging it and feeding this process of, of people getting into innovation and entrepreneurship? locally well jack because we have a huge building downtown with a big huddle sign on it i mean i mean (laughs) yeah uh, you know that's that's a bit of a pithy answer but this is the the impact that if we invest in entrepreneurship over a period of time we're going to see is is certainly not every idea is going to hit big and create new buildings and hundreds of jobs in in lincoln but we know over time that, that if we continue to invest in these activities in these companies in an early stage, you know, one of them or hopefully more are going to turn into those those next phase opportunities for, for Lincoln. And the beautiful thing about companies like that is they're sticky. They don't they don't you know grow to ten people and then sell very frequently. If if they're really going to take off, they're invested in the community. They want to uh, make an impact. They become those next 
um, generation community leaders here that are really driving the community forward through economic activity. And it, it's just a, it's a neat way to generate wealth and opportunity for so many people all across the community. Well, I always I enjoy always enjoy hearing about uh, these these ideas and these, you know, things that I didn't even know were, a, you know, um, a, a possibility to do with some of these these ideas that have come out of these. So it's always always fun to talk about it. Jason, I know the other thing that we should probably mention here um, is coming up. Uh, uh, do have people who are looking for a job or if you're a business that's hiring? I mean, I know there's been a lot of people who have been looking for workers. There is an opportunity uh, for that coming up as well in April. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, and, and so this is going to be April 18th, April 18th at the F Street Community Center uh, from 3 to 5.30. Again, April 18th, F Street Community Center, 3 to 5.30, and it's our Opportunity L&K Career Fair. So that's a, it's a group of agencies that we work with, Catholic Social Services, Lutheran Family Services, American Job Center, and of course, the Lincoln Partnership for Economic Development, to, to hold one of these job fairs and expos. So if you are interested in, in coming to check out the expo, if you're looking for maybe a different job or a different opportunity or, or something new to get into, that is open to the public. You can just go and start talking to, to companies there. Cool. Um, if your business is trying to find some people, uh, really want to encourage you to contact Allison Hatch. She's our Director of Workforce Development at the Lincoln Partnership for Economic Development. She can be contacted at ahatch, H-A-T-C-H, at selectlincoln.org. You can find her through our website at lcoc.com, or you can call our office at 402 436 Two three five zero. She'll get you plugged in. We we are still looking for companies to participate, but space is limited. So so do that soon. And, and I guess then just more generally on this effort toward workforce development, which was uh, such a story everywhere around the country, Lincoln and, and everywhere, especially coming out of the pandemic, and we're getting further and further from that moment. How is that sort of how does sort of the need and and what local businesses are seeing evolved over the course of the last several months when we are really really talking about this a lot well jack as as you and i have talked about before through vitality lincoln we've identified workforce development as our number one need here in the community for future economic growth um part of part of that uh structure that we're trying to do is is events like this where we're connecting people that maybe just wouldn't have had an opportunity to to find each other in the system before um part of that is telling our story nationally so that we are recruiting people in to Lincoln from outside of hopefully the state and in the region. Um, and so it's we have a long way to go um, because the, the, the beautiful thing about Lincoln's economy is it has a capability to grow faster than we've got people in it. And right now that's the national story as well. Um, we hope we don't see an economic turndown. We think uh, Lincoln's going to be resilient for uh, you know, the next couple decades here, but we have got to continue programs like this and get people connected with new job opportunities here in Lincoln. All right. Hey, uh, Jason, I appreciate it. Kathy, uh, it was great to talk to you as well. Uh, thanks so much for both of your time. It was great to hear about these uh, these new startup ventures and, and the continued development about workforce development. And, uh, and uh, Kathy, first of all, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Jack. Nice yep. talking with you. Yep, good to talk to you, Jason. We'll uh, thanks, check in Jack. with you here in a couple weeks, all right?
Sounds good. Thanks. All right, there you go. That is Kathy Anderson and Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. We're going to grab a break right now, 824. Caleb's got a check of sports and we got a Much Madness update that's coming up right after this. LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Severe weather means interruptions. In wintertime, you can have severe storms. Check closings and cancellations. You have to be up to date on the weather. At KLIN.com. Meteorologist Malcolm Byron. Waking babies in the North Bottoms have been helping them ace the ACT since the 90s. It's the voice of Nebraska Volleyball, John Baylor. All right, 837. Welcome back. LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. This is March 28th, 2023. Glad to have you back with us. And it's time to talk to uh, JB. It's been a little while, but he does join us right now by phone. Good morning, JB. How are we doing today? Jack and Tech. Caleb, I'm off to a great start. I've already unsubscribed from about seven emails. Yes. Isn't that a good feeling? Isn't, uh, it's a wonderful feeling. I just, I just want to just cry. Like, you're done. You're done again until you, you know, get some Russian bot to infiltrate my private information and re- return to my life. But I'm, I'm going to miss all those updates on the latest on uh, insect repellents in uh, the Northwest. <laughs> I, uh, I, I once bought a ticket when my family was going to Houston last spring break. We bought some tickets to an yep. Oklahoma City basketball game. We wanted to see Isaiah Roby play. And the Oklahoma City Thunder think I am uh, their most dedicated super fan now, according to the emails <laughs> that I received from them. And now it's facial recognition. If you, like, look at a blouse, I mean, you're forever going to be deluged with blouse emails. Oh just, my it, gosh. Just keep your head down and don't even think about clicking on anything. Game over. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's go. I, hey, I, I'm a dedicated listener to Jack Attack. You know that. And yeah. I was listening the last half hour. See, when I'm not on, all I can do is listen. Right. And uh, and I'll just say that Lincoln, Nebraska is a fabulous place to start a business. This has become an entrepreneurial hub. And LPED is out there. There's basically this, this reputation, increasingly so, that we uh, have this terrific entrepreneurial ecosystem and subculture where we have all of these angel investors and we have the university and the, and the rakes program and other elements, of the university, including the brand new beautiful business school building. And then the subculture I'm talking about and LPED, I think is orchestrating a lot of it. And it's just impressive and it's growing and you just hit the nail on the head the last half hour. And it's something I share with young people all the time, especially my own children. I say, if you've ever thought of starting your own business, Think about it, because if you get a business that works, it's a different life. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's a different right. kind of life. And your 20s are a fabulous time to try, because if you're like 80% of new businesses and you fail, you still have plenty of time to reinvent yourself. So give it a shot in your 20s. If you have an idea and you have a dream and you have a passion and maybe you have a partner, and then uh, and, and if that's the, po- the case, think of Lincoln, Nebraska, because you have all these adults who want to help you. There's a fair amount of available money. They talked about $80 million in, um, already into some of these new startups in, in recent years. I'm sure the overall sum is much greater than that. So the idea that, oh, there's more money on the coast and there's less um, in the Midwest, I don't think is as true as it, it used to be. And, of course, we've got a great workforce, and it's an affordable place to live. And you don't have to give away all your equity. You see, you start a company in Providence, Rhode Island, you're giving away all your equity to pay for rent, to mm-hmm. pay for labor. You don't have to do that here. So. I just encourage young people all the time that 
think not everyone's built to be an entrepreneur. But if right. there's any part of you that, that thinks you might want to try, the 20s is a perfect decade to do it, and Lincoln, Nebraska is a great place for it. Yeah, I suppose it's not in your 20s because you don't have to go to the doctor too much, too. I think, like, honestly, yeah. that, like, uh, the, the tying of health insurance to employment, I wonder how much sometimes that that's, that stifles or, or gives people a second thought about, no, about actually doing it's that. It's huge. It's huge. More than 40% of bankruptcies in this country are caused by health issues. So, uh, you know, we have a system where people live in fear of losing their health and what uh, that would do and how catastrophic that might be to their economics. So, sure, that's a deterrent. I often think to myself, if we didn't have hundreds and hundreds of thousands, I think it's really millions and millions, but I'll just be conservative here, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Americans doing jobs they despise, simply because they need the health insurance. Right. Just how much innovation could be unleashed. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's an interesting question, and it's it's obviously not going away, but that's the model that we've got here is it's, it, it is generally tied through an employer, which I don't, you know, that's not really how we do any other type of insurance or anything else like that. Um, but that's, you know, that's just how I the industry think, works at this point. I can't think of anything more anti-capitalism than influencing so many Americans and persuading so many Americans to do jobs they don't like simply because they're afraid of losing their health insurance. We all know people like that. I know a very close friend of mine continues to work in a job that he's okay with, but he's certainly long since lost his passion for, but he can't afford to leave because the health care is good and his wife has medical issues. I mean, this yeah. is a constant. Uh, and so, uh, that's the price you pay for our current healthcare system. One of the prices you pay for our current healthcare system. And I think a lot more about it now than I did when I was in my twenties. That's for sure too. Uh, you know, with a not only a family, but but as you get up there in age, and and that all goes along with with that whole thing. Uh, think about the cost. Of, think about the cost of college, and you think about you know yeah. what you have for your retirement, and yep. and uh, you know educate. You know, I'm I'm very passionate about education. And, and one uh, element of the compensation that we offer teachers that I think they greatly deserve is this pension plan. And now that, you know, you know, a lot of my contemporaries are uh, in education, they're able to retire because they have this great pension. I, to me, they've earned it. You know, they worked 30 hard years and, and uh, they've earned it. But most of us don't have that. And uh, uh, you've got to think through as you hit your 50s. Okay, do I have enough? So, I mean, our particular version of capitalism is um, it, 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 it does unleash innovation. There are definitely some pluses to it, but it puts a lot more responsibility on the individual. And that's kind of what we pride ourselves in, right? We're individuals, pull ourselves by our bootstraps. But as you age, you clearly confront that more and more. I, I wonder, we had another story, oh, it was last week, I think, where it was, it was people in the, in the construction, construction industry nationally just continuing to say they had a, they had a need for, for people and they were kind of making their pitch to people, to, to young people saying, Hey, uh, start out with no debt, start living the American dream immediately. You know, I'm curious, just given that, you know, your, your field of, of expertise and mm-hmm. in, in careers based on college prep, 
I'm just kind of curious when you hear those sorts of things. What are what are your thoughts about? I mean, I I assume you you are saying, hey, that's the right decision for for a lot of people. But as you continue to, it feels like you hear that more and more that that should be an option that more young people should consider. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Um, totally in agreement. I mean, our whole motto is we help families create two and four year college graduates with minimal debt. We help families and schools create two and four year college graduates with minimal debt. And one way we do that is we help them jump their ACT scores. But we are always embracing and celebrating those who want to go into the trades. We desperately need more people in the trades. About 60,000 jobs in this state, skilled jobs are unfilled in this state because we just don't have the skilled people to fill them. So we need to do a better job and I'm not alone. Everyone's been saying this for a long time of creating more plumbers, creating more welders, creating more electricians. Heck, electricians often make more than lawyers or architects. So going into the trades is something we should absolutely celebrate. And then the fourth destination that we encourage is going into the military. You see, at a time when you've got globalization, you've got billions of low-cost global workers, and that number continues to increase, and you've got automation and AI, and we've seen what just happened in the last three months with the advancement in AI. You really want true skills and knowledge to compete, and the four destinations, as I see it, and I think all the data aligns, is you want to get enlisted in the military or you want to get certified in a trade or a two-year college degree. If you get a two-year college degree from Southeast Community College, rather than making like 17 bucks an hour, no benefits, you're making like 28, 29 bucks an hour with benefits. I mean, that's a huge increase for what? You know, 24 months at most. Right. of your life getting a, an associate's degree, or you want to get a four-year degree, but with minimal debt. No more of this going into crazy debt. And one great thing among many that we have in the state is we have quite affordable four-year colleges. I mean, you get just like a 25 on your ACT, you can go to Wayne State for free tuition. I mean, that suddenly makes that four-year experience quite affordable, whereas you live in Illinois and you want to go to Illinois Champaign. It's really tough to get into, by the way. You need like a 29 just to get in. But if you have the privilege of attending and you're an Illinois resident, it's costing you 30, 31 grand a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It's just a different world. It it it's it's a different world than I was thinking about. You know, when when I was going through this in the mid nineties, um, compared to compared to what my and and it it feels like there are are more different options that um that are that are kind of on the table here at this point as well, which I think is a good thing. But it's it's worth people considering are, all these things. People, Jack, are just being smarter shoppers when it comes yeah. to college. Yeah, that's that's um, a good way of putting it. You're realizing, you know. Uh, yeah, I guess I could go to, uh, Ohio state as a non-resident and pay 58 grand a year, but I could go to central Michigan, which is kind of similar if I really want that out of state experience. And if I get like a 27 on the ACT, that's going to cost me like 19 grand a year. Mm -hmm. Or if I go to university of South Dakota, which is kind of a similar experience, it's going to cost me 40, $45,000 less per year. And those kind of schools often take four and a half years to get through. Right. I mean, that's real money. Right. We're talking like $150,000 to $200,000. Or you can go to Shadron uh, and uh, get free tuition. Or you're going to get a really nice partial scholarship at, at good old UNL. So you're not paying twenty two grand a year, paying like eighteen, And that's everything included. There are ways to like lower that cost further if you want to live at home and, and other things. But, yeah, I think uh, people are realizing because of the cost of college and some of the other questions yeah. about the quality of the experience. 
they're being much more savvy with their with their shopping their college shopping dollars. And how has that impacted colleges? Uh, you know, you've got more savvy consumers. You can't get by mm-hmm. on what might have worked before in terms of pricing, in terms of quality. You know, just in terms of of competition. How is that impact? I mean, I'm assuming you got places that are are realizing they've got to make major changes to actually get students to go there if people are being more savvy. Absolutely. They're, they're sharpening their skills. And many are realizing you can't be all things to all people. You can't necessarily be great across the board, and they're trying to specialize. I mean, a lot of smaller liberal arts college, and this hurts my heart a little bit, they're in financial peril because, uh, you know, it's, just a, it's a more it's, – it's a less clear purchase. It's, it's, it's less clear what is the value. Um, but to me, I mean, we, we need better communicators and, and uh, thinkers and, and critical thinkers and decision makers and leaders than ever. And that's typically what can happen at a strong, rigorous uh, liberal arts college. But they're struggling financially. They've got to sharpen what they do, some of whom or some of which are, are, are closing. And, and I'll just say that I, I don't think this state can afford another Dana College. We want to really help out our colleges across the board because we can't, you know, Blair has suffered because of it, but that that college was a big loss. We don't want that to happen again. So we want to be mindful of that. But then um, schools are, uh, you know, shutting down departments. They don't have the, 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 the broad spectrum of, of majors uh, as, as they used to. So it's a, it's a time of reckoning uh, for colleges. And much of it is on them because they just kept raising the price and raising mm-hmm. the price and raising the price. And, you know, more and more federal loan dollars became available mm-hmm. and the tough decisions kept uh, getting kicked down the road and uh, the time of reckoning is right yeah uh it's fascinating to see firsthand now uh, how the how that industry is has changed and and continues to change going forward uh well, it makes but go but ahead i want I'm, I'm a big advocate still because uh as long as you have, you can find an opportunity affordably i mean it should be life-changing yeah well, how is okay? Another question then. Um, how you know kids? Kids say, okay, I think the right thing to do is go to college. Um, I, I don't, but I don't know exactly what I want to do. I don't know what what my plan. I don't know what I should be majoring in. And you know, and, and again, I went to a liberal arts school, and and so I had kind of a variety of things. Started as a communications major, ended as a political science major, and it took me on this weird career path that sort of ended up here. How much has that changed in terms of the, the I guess, the knowledge of, of just kind of students knowing what they want to do when they go in, it changing throughout the course of their college career and the majors that are that are popular or how widespread they are? Well, from my vantage point, unless you're pre-med, most of us don't have a clear idea what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And even if we do, it often changes, not just in college, but beyond because of you know the, the fast-changing world that is uh, the, the global economy. But, um, I would say as long as you're hardworking and you're inquisitive and you, you have a zest for learning, it's a solid way to pay to spend two or four years, as long as it's done affordably, as long as you've done everything to find the right value, it's affordable. It fits the family's budget. I mean, you're in a different place at age 22, if you have a four year degree, uh, or a two year degree than your friends who merely have a high school diploma, unless they also go get certified as a trade or they, they get enlisted in the military. So, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's still a great, uh, you, you just gotta be a savvy shopper because you can go to a school and sleepwalk and that 
diploma is basically worth, not much more than the paper it's written on. But if you go there and you work hard and you dive in and you get involved and you get to read and write and speak much more effectively, you're going to be wanted by corporate America. You're going to, you're going to be in demand because you're going to interview well, you're going to be poised. And now is particularly uh, robust time of opportunity for young people because so many of them are struggling. I mean, even within college, 40% of college kids admit to suffering from depression in the last 12 months. Um, I don't know if this is clinical depression. This is kind of, you know, self-response. These are responses mm-hmm. to a poll. But we, I see it when I go teach in school after school. I have this sort of box seat into what works and what doesn't, and what school, high school cultures are healthy and what are struggling, which ones are struggling. And I just see a lot of kids struggling right now with what's now called social emotional health. And, uh, those of us, the young people who can, can you know, stick through it and, and, um, and find strength in what has been a couple of years of, of great adversity, you're going to have a huge opportunity because there's just not as many of them that are you know, seemingly on the outside healthy right now. And I think one thing we can do as parents is you know, try to get the, the phones away from them, try to get the screens away from them, get them outdoors, help them find a passion. Uh, you know, let them, have, let them have a little more of a range-free childhood, a free-range childhood. I mean, uh, you know, little kids who don't go biking with their friends. I mean, that kind of stuff can kind of instill inner strength. And uh, young people just seem a lot more fragile than they used to be. All right, c- completely switching gears. One quick volleyball question. Uh, we, we've you, you've kind of uh, we've talked over the over the years a little bit about the beach volleyball thing and how Nebraska does it different. But this year they went out there and had a had a pretty impressive yes. season. What what does it mean? <laughs> what, what what exactly do you take from this exactly? <laughs> that uh, they uh, have a, a heck of a lot of talent, and they're beating teams that uh, are just comprised of beach volleyball scholarship athletes. Yeah, so that's impressive. Yeah. Looking like to start playing another sport on a different surface and start winning uh, more often. And so, uh, you know, I'm hearing also from the first week of indoor practice that they're looking really strong. But, you oh know, it's the beginning of the oh year. Oh, boy. Uh, expectations um, are getting up right now in March. Here we go. But, uh, this Merritt Beeson, the transfer from uh, Florida, Florida, who was yeah. captain, captain as a sophomore last year, she's a six-rotation player, meaning she can pass if necessary, she can serve, receive if necessary, but more importantly, she can attack from the back right. Yes. We haven't had that really since Katie Rolson, and we haven't had a potent, I mean, uh, well, Katie Rolson was terrific, but, you know, shades of syrup haven't. I mean, when you've got a back right attacker, I mean, that opens everything else up, up front. So huge addition for the big red. Very good. All right. Well, we'll continue to hope that we hear those exciting things as we get toward the uh, spring volleyball game coming up here in a little bit. And uh, lots of good stuff to talk about. Hey, uh, JB, thanks for your time. And uh, we'll check in on the Jack Attack again soon. I'm doing a poor job of managing expectations. You are already. set. You know what that does to me? You're winding me up. So here we go. Starting in March. I'm, go- I'm going back to unsubscribing. It's going to be a big day. <laughs> good, good luck. Have fun with that. There you go. There's John Baylor, voice of uh, voice of Husker volleyball. Save to six. Take a break. Wrap up the show after this on KLIN. Meteorologist Malcolm Byron. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right. That's it for the show. Thank you to all of our guests today. Had a 
whole slew of them, from uh, John Baylor to Kathy Anderson to Jason Ball to Joe Jordan. And tomorrow is What Chap Tried Wednesday. So that'll be a lot of fun. Also, going to give you more Munch Madness results. We'll start cutting that field down even more. We will see you bright and early tomorrow. It is 9 o'clock KLIN Lincoln.